sharing, and so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast. Today on the show, we have Maggie of Food Truck Collective. They are an organization that's dedicated to support Auckland's most promising street food businesses. Like the Kiwi Foodcast, the Food Truck Collective too is passionate about showcasing the brilliant people behind our thriving food scene. They do this by hosting a range of street food events like the sold out Auckland Fried Chicken Festival that just passed and are also planning an education arm and plan on creating a community of food truck owners. So on the show today, I talked to Maggie about her story and how she went from having a food truck herself to becoming a curator of these fabulous food events. Without further ado, let's dig in. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing lovely. So Maggie, let's go straight into the podcast with my favorite first question that I ask everyone, which is tell us a little bit about your childhood. Has food always been a feature for you? Um, Food has always been a feature in my childhood. I grew up in England with um, an Irish mother. So I was kind of raised with a lot of Irish stews and traditional dishes as such and um, just loved kind of the culture and kind of wholesome food that you that you were raised with, really. But yeah, it was it was great. Okay. And how did you come to live in New Zealand? And is there something about the food scene here that you really love? No, it it happened to be something that I stumbled upon, to be honest. We, my husband and I came to New Zealand about nine years ago. And it was supposed to be a gap year after I'd finished university in Newcastle. And the year was designed to have a year off, kind of find our feet, do a little bit of exploring. I had an amazing opportunity to work um, for MasterCard during the Rugby World Cup in a great position. And it was a year just to kind of explore the world and find our feet and have a bit of fun. And New Zealand just, and Auckland especially, just got under my skin and we just started to adapt to the lifestyle here, the much sunnier days, warmer weather, the people, the opportunities. And the food scene just sort of crept up upon us over the years. And we just we just really love it here in Auckland. And the diversity as well is incredible. Yeah, I just love that there's food from kind of all cultures, really. There's no one type of food. Um, and that's something that's evolved and kind of come of age now, I feel like as more migrants have lived here for a significant portion of their life, it feels like it's more vibrant than it was maybe like even five or 10 years ago. No, absolutely. We've seen such a big difference in the short space that we've been here. And just to celebrate people's heritage and their food and their passion as well, it's, it's great to see. Yeah. So when we spoke, you told me that you started your food truck just after you had your first baby is that true yes that's <laughs> now that is not a career most people would consider at that stage in their life so tell me tell me a little bit about how how you got into having your own food truck basically um again something that i kind of stumbled across is um i was working for mastercard i had been there for mm four, maybe five years, a kind of financial institution working with corporates and that scene. And I just, when I went on maternity leave, 
it really just gave me the time to think about what I wanted to do with my life and how my life had adjusted and changed so significantly when I became a mother. Um, I was a lot more conscious of being home, being around my child, kind of trying to find a flexible working arrangement that could meet my needs and my child's needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was training not very well, but I was training for the Auckland Half Marathon and I was running around a local park and I witnessed Mr. Whippy just rolls up to the local park and he serves his ice cream and it was great. I loved Mr. Whippy as a kid, but I thought, what if I could create something healthier that could roam Auckland that was aimed at kids and adults that was really delicious and wholesome and healthy And it kind of clicked that I thought that maybe I should try and start my own food truck. And at the time, I was drinking lots of smoothies um, in those newborn days, um, trying to get a lot of goodness into me and trying to... It's about all the time you have anyways, right? Exactly. (laughs) And at least, unlike coffee, it doesn't get cold. The smoothie just remains at ambient temperature. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Granted, there was a lot of coffee and caffeine consumed in conjunction, but um, it was a good way of just trying to keep... um, people my nutrients up and etc so we came up my husband and I came up some really tasty smoothie recipes and we just thought let's let's kind of just give it a go there was no one really doing smoothies I know I was doing I was specializing in organic smoothies as I was passionate about finding obviously um really organic and healthy um ingredients to the smoothies and um it just kind of evolved into something really amazing I was introduced through a mutual friend to another food truck owner and I was talking to him about what food truck was like in Auckland at that stage and so you're talking almost five years ago for mm. five years ago when I was thinking of doing it and um, we just thought we'd give it a try and my um, husband was incredibly supportive and we just six months or it might have been shorter than that six months later we were on the road and at our first event I remember that day as if it was yesterday and the nerves and the excitement and a whole array of emotions it was incredible so much fun (laughs) so how did you manage being a mum and a food truck owner like I mean I know you spoke about wanting more flexibility but the food business isn't I mean, it is and it isn't very flexible. So um, I'm curious how you manage both. Um, The flexibility. (laughs) Yeah, the flexibility um, by having your own food truck is a lot different to having a restaurant or a cafe where you can choose which days of the week you go out to trade. You can, if you're not feeling 100% one day, you might be able to close shop and not have any overheads to consider like I was running it by myself so I had only casual staff I didn't have any overheads like um like a sort of bricks and mortar kind of scenario so that flexibility was there for me to pick and choose when and when I wanted to work um so yeah I think that's the beauty of food trucks and also obviously a risk um but yeah it it worked for me in those initial kind of first year of trialing and error kind of things that worked for me in terms of certain events would work better than others and if I knew there was an event coming up which I would do well in you'd obviously put all your um, energy into that one but then you could maybe take a week or two off depending on your scenario obviously yeah yeah So do you have any tips for, I don't know, moms who are also wanting to be food truck owners? Like what would you um, 
say how how could they plan around it if they wanted to explore this I kind think of a doing business? more research I think it's a slightly different scene now and um, I think to make it work you um, need to do your homework around finding a unique selling point of starting a food truck and making sure like smoothies were incredible like I really enjoyed it but it probably wasn't enough revenue to sustain um, the business just on smoothies it's diversifying and pivoting especially sort of in the environment we are now like it's mm. quite tricky for the foodies to be operating at just a click and collect scenario so um, finding a balance of knowing how much you can commit to the business as well because it's always very deceiving um, people see food trucks at events and they see the big queues and the big lines and oh they must make loads of money but nobody sees behind the scenes of all the work and effort that goes into to behind a food truck um, that is that so true because my husband keeps telling me let's start a cafe and I'm just like <laughs> having having done catering in India I'm just like I'm so done with it like yeah. you don't know all the kind of hard work that goes before the event of you know three or four days of all the prep that goes in exactly to be able to service that one event yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah that's a major consideration with my smoothies um all my products were either frozen or um preserved like in the nuts and seeds and then my bananas and my fruit and everything were all frozen so I had very minimal waste which was really um I think quite clever of me to kind of come up with that sort of idea I just feel for sometimes other vendors where you have all this stock and you haven't sold it and there's the wastage which is obviously um such a um tricky situation to be in yeah yeah so let's go back to those happy first days what did you love about having your food truck say in comparison to a shop that sold smoothies in a mall like um you know how were those early days it was the early days were amazing as well because every event was so different and you were seeing and meeting different people or customers all the time like I was driving all over Auckland at all different age groups and I think what's most satisfying is just getting that engagement from customers of the enjoyment of your product and not seeing anything before. Like my food truck, I don't know if you've seen a photo of it, but visually the food truck was, I think, appealing to the eye. I tried to make it that vintage kind of homely, like wooden and flowers. And the the attractiveness to the eye was definitely something that was commented on quite frequently. And I really enjoyed that interaction with people. Um, and do you think the appearance as part is important? Like, oh, I, absolutely. Because you say people eat with their eyes. They Like when you're looking for a restaurant to go to, you kind of make a judgment before you even walk into the restaurant. And it's the same with food trucks. I think, I think it's sort of an understatement that people that don't spend enough time on the visual appearance of their um, food truck I think it's definitely um, worth spending some time to make sure that it looks professional, clean, quality, um, just to um, improve the first impression a customer would get. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, we're speaking about this because most people start a food truck because they maybe perhaps don't have that much money to go into a brick-and-mortar mm. shop. but. Like you said, it's important to spend the money in this aspect. Yeah, and you don't need to spend so much. It's just keeping it simple and clean looking and just clutter free and just crisp. I don't think you need to worry about spending tens of thousands of dollars on a brand and a, a marketing. You just need to keep it simple um, and effective, mm. I think. Yeah, definitely. So you had this food truck. So how did Food Truck Collective come about then? 
So I mentioned previously I was introduced to a mutual friend, um, Tim from Double Dutch Fries. And basically I literally just launched um, Raw and we were introduced and I had actually consulted with, like talked to him previously um, before starting my own food truck. But after I'd started, he approached me and said, oh, I'm thinking of starting a night market throughout the winter because winter's really hard. Like you've got all these peak seasonal events that happen over the summer but winter's really tricky for food truck operators because of the weather um in terms of people not wanting to get out over the winter months and he said we just need to build something or start something and did I want to get involved in it and I've always loved organizing events and being involved in events and I put my hand up straight away and said yeah absolutely I'd love to help um and it would be it was a great opportunity for me then to connect with other food trucks in the industry because I was new I didn't know anybody and he had been trading for maybe a year 18 months before I had so I was really interested in getting involved with that um so yeah that's how it started okay and so tell me what was this first event that you organized then so we organized an event, it would have been uh, September 2015, 14 to 16. Um, I'll double check that. But basically, we found a venue in Kingsland, a kind of uh, a warehouse kind of-esque venue, which housed about eight food trucks. And we went live with it on Facebook. It was called Urban Street Fest. And Urban List, the media platform, picked up on it. And it just went viral. And the days leading up to it, we were getting lots of interest online and it was looking quite promising, but still we just weren't certain whether people would show up. And then we literally opened up and there were queues everywhere. It was incredible. The turnout from the community that had traveled from all over Auckland to find these street food vendors um, was incredible. There was a line around the building to try and get in. That's it was amazing. Events planner, event planning dream, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was just the atmosphere. I managed to, my husband's a musician, so he came along and he played um throughout the evening we had we rented some tables we it was a very much DIY job but it worked and people were just in awe of the event in itself and I think it was 10 days later we popped up in another suburb in Ponsonby and it was a similar response and we just kept this momentum going up of events popping around um Auckland and it was just incredible just the foodies like the food vendors were loving it because it was something fresh like the Auckland night markets were trading but nobody was doing it quite like us and Mm. it was it was great it was so exciting so any funny stories from that first event that you could share with us I'm sure your events have um come away since that first um the first one that you planned (laughs) things I'm sure there is um or any goof-ups that you did or how maybe, you know, your festivals have evolved since then? Oh, it's it's evolved in terms of funny stories where I don't know whether there's funny stories, ha-ha, or there's funny stories in hindsight you'd look back and change. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's always funny in hindsight, not at the actual moment, is it? <laughs> no, not quite. Um, I can't think of anything at the minute. Um Maybe I'll have a think and we'll come back to this question because there's definitely, certainly something um, yeah, but how up. is how is your model of organizing food events different from, say, what other people were doing around this time? 
Um, I think what was different is the freshness approach of us and the demographic we were targeting. Um, mm. The offering we were had, um, I think, was definitely a strength. We had um, real quality food truck vendors at our events and we had fun and interactive music. The virus were good. The whole um, visual appearance of fairy lights and something that you see a lot of overseas, which I've not seen here um, I hadn't seen as yet. Um, so I think it was just the awareness around what we were doing and we were targeting the right group of people. It was mostly in central Auckland and um, it just seemed to work really well. Yeah. And I think your events are different because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys don't charge rent to the food truck guys to come at the event, right? It's more of a partnership-based model? It's similar to that, but we have started a structure where we charge the vendors a percentage of their income. So mm-hmm. we charge them a small percentage. So it's risk, risk-free risk for them and risk-free for us in a sense where as an event organizer, our incentive is to make sure the event's good because if the event's good and the awareness is good, the vendor's going to do good or great. And then in turn, we do great. So we have the food vendors at heart always when we're organizing events. Like that's our priority is it's going to be something that's going to be good for our food trucks. Because if our food trucks do well, we do well and we want everyone to do well. Like we're a partnership and foodie family, we call ourselves. Like we have so much time and respect and love for these food truck operators that we we want to have an ongoing relationship with them like for the foreseeable future. So we want to make sure that we maintain a transparent relationship with them throughout. There's a lot of event organisers that maybe come from overseas, charge a ridiculous amount of money for these food trucks to rock up to, and they will have missold them the event. People won't turn up or it'll be the wrong people that turns up or not enough people turn up and they fork out maybe $1,000 to be at an event and they don't even make that money back. So... The percentage model is something that we've introduced that we're trying to get the food trucks to promote to other event organizers to kind of change the industry um, stance on it. And I think that makes such a huge difference because it keeps accountability where it needs to stay. You know, like the food truck owners focused on good food because that's where they're going to make their money. They don't need to worry about rent that they've paid up front, you know, which maybe has a negative impact on the kind of food they can serve or the amount of food that they can serve while you as the event organizers focused on having a great experience, like you said, because that's, and focused on bringing people through the door rather than worrying about other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think what you said there is so true because I used to go to a number of food events myself back when I was in India and it's a similar case. You know, sometimes the events guys, they've just, sold the stall, that's it, my responsibility ends there. You know, Mm. they've not kind of organized backup plans for like if the electricity trips or (laughs) if, you know, there's no rubbish sorted and it's just, yeah, you don't want it to be a headache. You want these people to work with you again. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that actually. Um, And so one of the things I found a bit curious is that you guys typically charge um, uh, like an entry fee for your festivals so is there like a reasoning behind this like so I know that you did that with your fried chicken festival there was an entry fee and then there was also like timings when you could come and be at the festival so what's the thought process behind that 
So, for example, chicken is the perfect one to kick off with. Um, for our major events, um, we for it's more kind of health and safety and keeping uh, an account on numbers is to charge tickets so we know how many people to expect. Like, for instance, the first year we hosted Fried Chicken Festival in Parnell at La Cigal Markets, Tim had the idea of doing it. And I was like, nah, I can't imagine lots of people would want to come to a fried chicken festival. How I was wrong. <laughs> How I yeah. was wrong. So we you were, were wrong, Maggie. Event. I went to your recent one and it was crazy yeah. busy. <laughs> like, it's crazy what people will do for fried chicken. But three years ago, we launched it and the event just went viral, viral overnight. In the end, we had 30,000 people interested in this fried chicken festival. And I don't know if you're familiar with La Cigale, but there's no ways that venue can hold 30,000 people. It's a French market at the weekend. and That's a well, tiny place, La Cigale exactly. is a tiny place. We yeah. had been hosting just sort of night events at La Cigale throughout winter, and we just thought we would do a bit of a novelty event for it. And it was basically down to managing the numbers. We introduced a $5 ticket Um just to allow and to ensure that there wasn't a, like we weren't a stampede of people that turned up, even though it's so hard to estimate what is that right number, which is something that we are continuously learning each year about what's that perfect number because it's so misperceiving how many people to let through the door versus how many vendors we have, how much food the vendors to prepare. There is literally no perfect scenario where every party is happy. And we only have tickets on those um, bigger events where we have to try and manage the numbers, um, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. With Shed 10, especially now that we've evolved into that location, it's extremely costly to host an event at Shed 10. I think before I was involved in the events industry, it's quite deceiving um, how expensive an event costs to create. Like that's so true because there's so many other bits and pieces that are involved you know like oh, one is just a venue fee and then there's like you need so security you need bathrooms security shed 10 um i like it's my favorite venue in entire auckland i love it but you're not allowed to have any more than 100 kgs of gas in the venue so you have to pay for someone to pipe the gas out of the venue which oh, okay cost us almost four thousand dollars last year on top of the venue fee just to allow food trucks to cook inside mm -hmm. so the fees um or sorry the venue operating expenses does add up and the low ticket prices helps us um pay for that and to be able to host the event because there's a demand for the event and we want to create it because we want to feed the needs of our foodie followers and also our food trucks so yeah. yeah trying to find that perfect formula is something we're still working on and learning from every time and I guess from an event planning perspective just charging that small fee also kind of gives you an idea of who's serious right like because exactly. everyone everyone's interested and everyone registers for webinars and events and says yes I'll come on Facebook but it helps the food truck owners know how many people to actually prep for Absolutely. And so we communicated um, for fried chicken, for example, we communicated how many tickets we had sold to our food truck operators. And um, 
suggested to them that they had so many portions for each session that we had throughout the day and they still didn't like there still wasn't enough food there were so many foodies wanting to sample more than one dishes that um sadly that the vendors did sell out of food so that was one of our key learnings for this year is to find a solution and to ensure that doesn't happen again event organizers aren't perfect like we wish we could find um the perfect scenario that would make everybody happy but it's it's a it's a trial and error basis which we're, we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> yeah that's true um i think so for me it was just there were such long queues at each mm. one of the stores yeah so yeah maybe so they need to distribute else. some chicken while you wait oh, absolutely. <laughs> feedback for your next session <laughs> oh yeah and the processing times as well as knowing how quickly vendors can like Get, pump their food out as well is a variable that we had underestimated this year but it was a fantastic year and we're so grateful um to all the support but every year we will evolve and adapt based on the previous event and we're only human but we love what we do and hope to continue to do it for years to come yeah definitely and i think that love shows in in the events that you plan so mm. well done um so tell me aside from events what else does the food truck collective focus on and help food truckers with okay so the food truck was primarily to obviously create more events for our food truck operators but also as i touched on before it was a community of bringing food truck operators together and support one another share experience and just be there for one another because we're all in the same boat of owning a business and it's a roller coaster ride of owning a business there's highs there's lows there's there's just tricky times and I think to be connected with like-minded people who are in that same situation I think is really valuable yeah and I think it's really beneficial to have that community and we don't compete with one another. We support and excel and it's an incredible group of people from all over the world, from all different backgrounds, all different families, and we're all connected with the love for food that we have. Yeah. And it's an incredible um, group of people to be working alongside with and um, that's definitely one of the main focal points of our collective is nurturing and supporting and doing what we can to um, to grow these people and their businesses so we started with maybe a dozen when we first launched it um, two and a half years ago and now there's over there's about 70 of us in our collective and that's oh, continuing that's awesome wow. wow so it's a and really great base to be a part of and are you guys mainly Auckland based or are yeah. there businesses that are outside of Auckland that are so part of your collective what well, mainly Auckland based because um, a lot of obviously the events um, are obviously Auckland based. We help through our website. We'll help other external event organizers come to us and say, "Hey, I'm organizing this event, or I'm having a wedding. I'd love a food truck." And so we funnel that to our collective members mm -hmm. so they can um, have more opportunities of trading. Um, but we are opening, we've just dropped the name Auckland as part of our Auckland Food Track Collective. So we're now known as the Food Track Collective where we're opening it to food tracks, sort of the outer regions of Auckland that can still travel in because there's an amazing group of food tracks in Hamilton and in Tauranga and they sometimes frequently come up to Auckland for events. So it'd just be great to connect them um, from a networking perspective with other food trucks up here. Yeah. 
Definitely. So could you speak to how this current kind of uncertain future that we find ourselves in, how it's affecting food trucks? Like, have you spoken to your food truckers on how they could potentially pivot or is there ways in which you're supporting them through this time? Yeah, so this is our second lockdown and it's not as severe as the first one as yet. When we first went into lockdown in March, um, before we went into um, level four, I got all as many of the food trucks to come to my place and we had about 20, 25 of us in a circle talking about the ways we could pivot, adapt and support one another going forward. Um, Ideas of just popping up trading at people's like at their own homes doing like a click and collect online mm. ordering and delivery system maybe introducing new products um, ways and means of trying to find more business for later in the year about spending that time about improving or um, upgrading their marketing comms or their social media platforms there's loads of things that we um tried to help support the guys and each of them have gone out and done their best in terms of adapting to the climate at the moment and it's just really tricky because the beauty of food trucks is to be able to be mobile which is still a great um, advantage for us in the circumstance now where the food trucks can still drive to a a location and offer a click and collect scenario but um yeah it's not ideal it's not ideal um we haven't had any food trucks close as such because of lockdown at the moment um the wage subsidy was a a humendous uh, tremendous um asset to have especially again going back to my point that winter was tricky for food trucks as it is and to be locked down over winter was especially hard but that um wage subsidy definitely kept a lot of us afloat yeah and I think I mean if we look at the positives it's kind of helped more traditional customer facing businesses to really kind of embrace the online aspect you know like if they've been if they've been mostly sometimes you know as a food truck person or as a cafe you resist that because you know you just got like your business as usual kind of thing going about and now it was like well it's evolve or perish kind of situation right yeah no absolutely and I think what's amazing about New Zealand is that we've come from strength to strength to support one another very community focused supporting locals supporting small business it's it's incredible to witness and um I'm really lucky to be living here and and seeing this and it's yeah really really lucky cool so tell me to wrap up like for the person who's dreaming about having a food truck what would be the five things you'd tell them to like think about or plan for okay um I think the first thing obviously is just to do your research talk to other food truck operators talk to event managers find out um find out kind of the ins and outs of being able to get into an event you think prospective food truck owners think oh yeah I could attend this event this event this event there's a there's a wait list to get into events I think knowing how long it will take you to get into a certain event is crucial um, and not just relying on to be able to rock up and trade Um, so your research element and events and also my perception when I first started was that I thought that I could just rock up to the beach and start serving smoothies and that's that's almost close to impossible. You need permission from the council and you need permission from the reserve the reserve of the beach. So doing your research about being able to trade where and when is something really important. Having a business plan 
um, is obviously really important. Making sure you put pen to paper what your business, um, what your food truck will be serving, the cost prices, finding out supplier um, costings and your profit margin, forecasting ahead, even though if it's sort of an estimate, it's always good to just work out how many dishes you've got to serve to break even that day. And also the variable influences that can affect your income of whether um, events being cancelled or the it, raining. That's the one thing that food trucks and event organisers can't control is the rain, which can really severely impact the number of people that come to that event. So yeah, having a business plan and considering all scenarios is crucial. Um, I think reaching out to um, reaching out um, and finding um, a supplier that, or even a friend, like connecting, networking online. There's lots of groups on Facebook, for instance, that can help small businesses and maybe consider getting a coach or a mentor just to maybe speak your business plan and your ideas too and get some real honest feedback. Your partner or your family members are obviously going to be extremely optimistic, but I think getting some outside opinion may be something to consider. Um, Being careful where you source your food truck from, ensuring that it's all up to scratch. I imported my food truck from China and I thought by going direct to the manufacturer that I would save a load of money but in turn it backfired because the food truck arrived it ended up costing more to pay for importing fees and then I had to get it rewired and then it wasn't up to scratch it was white and it had lots of green freckles of paint all over it and oh gosh (laughs) and that was the that's definitely a big lesson of buying online especially something as significant purchase as that try and find a local supplier of food trucks or seeing it in person before committing and making sure that it's roadworthy and it's suitable for what you need um and then the fifth question is um other question sorry um the fifth one is just I think have faith and be positive and if you really want to do it and all those other things add up it's just give it a go like you just don't know until you try um there's just life is all about taking chances and you just never know what might happen and who you might meet and what path that might lead to I know that sounds a bit cheesy but I think just having a bit of confidence and um, faith in um, yeah. what you're doing and your life. That's, that's so true. Yeah, I, um, I love the part about the business plan because I know a lot of us in the food business kind of poo-poo it a little bit, like who, oh, has, the time, totally. who has the time to kind of do it or there's so many kind of, you know, uncertainties. I don't know how many people are going to buy it. But even if you, I think just the, process of putting what's in your brain out on paper even just that part helps you clarify your idea much more yeah Yeah. I totally agree like for an I didn't do a business plan for raw um I thought oh yeah I know everything I need to know but in hindsight I think it's it's really good like you say pen to paper getting it all out and having someone look it over and tell you whether or not you're being realistic or have you thought about this or another is really valuable as well yep I think it just fast tracks. I mean, you're still bound to make those mistakes and things like that. But it it fast tracks maybe some of that learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. 
Thank you for that. No, so, <laughs> so now moving on to my favorite part of the show, which is called Fast Food Five. Okay. Nothing to do with fast food, <laughs> but it's five fast questions about food. Okay. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay. First question. If you were a smoothie, what would be like your main ingredient? Um, cacao, which is the purest form of chocolate. Mm, yes. And luxurious, right? Makes mm. all the smoothies better. <laughs> yeah. My For some reason, I thought you'd pick a banana. I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah, that would be. No, cho- I'm a chocolate <laughs> lover. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Your favorite event that you've hosted so far? Uh, my favorite event I've hosted so far would probably be the Vegan Food Festival, which we ho- hosted in March this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very much about sustainability and environment and it's something that I try to um, stem into the event. We had an eco marketplace alongside the food trucks and yeah, it was definitely my favorite event I think that I've hosted so far and I'm excited to evolve it going forward. Yeah. And did you guys get like a huge response to it? Like I feel like every time I turn now, someone or the other is turning vegetarian. So yeah, no, there was a huge response. Um, there was a team organizing the vegan food fair a couple of years ago and um, stopped their events. So we have so many vegan or vegetarian food truck options in our collective that there's just um, there was no sort of targeted or specific events for their trucks. And it's something I'm vegetarian um, as well. So something that I wanted to make sure that that gap is filled. Cool. Cool. Okay, next question. The one thing that must be there at every food event for it to be like a success? Um, I think for a combination, there has to be music, great food and great vibes, like I think, and people, like I think. But just to stem it to one would obviously just be the food element. Like you can't have any kind of street food event without quality street food. Yeah, yeah. But I think music plays such a, oh, a huge role, like especially if you can get some live music going, it just yeah. adds to that vibe, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather give up salt or give up sugar? Salt. Hmm. Really? Yeah. yeah How will you cook good. stuff? It'll all be bland. Oh, I don't. My husband. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so I have seen this because I asked this question to a few people and all the people who like tend to cook in the kitchen or are chefs will always choose salt and if I interview someone who's done you know like are not directly in in a kitchen perhaps will always choose sugar so Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's a lot okay and last question um favorite place in the world to have street food um my first experience of street food was in Bangkok probably 12 years ago when I was mm. traveling as a teenager. And I remember eating street food for the very first time and just being in awe of how yummy it was. Like it was just an amazing experience. That's so true. And there's just the sheer variety and just the smells yeah. and it's just such a vibrant kind of place. I agree Absolutely. with you. And was there like a favorite street food item that you have that you always I remember buy? just being obsessed with pad thai at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was it. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maggie, for coming on the show. It's been lovely having you and listening to a little bit about your story and also about how you guys are supporting other food trucks. So, I wish you well in your journey. And yeah, thank you, thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat with you and um, incredible what you're doing as well, highlighting these 
um, amazing foodies that are in the industry. It's great to have a voice for them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. listening to the Kiwi Foodcast brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.